welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. I don't know the number. (laughs) Um, but right now we're in elk camp, me and John Barklow, Andy Stump, my buddy, Caleb Copeland filming us. And we literally came back for a quick bite to eat. So we're legit. We're real. This is a real podcast. It's coming from an elk camp up. We're at about 6,000 feet. Yeah, I guess. And, uh, I am absolutely detonating this big jar of skippy peanut butter (laughs) (laughs) man carbs carbs alone will not get you through an elk hunt you have to have some fat and protein or you are done did you say protein or broteen both (laughs) (laughs) like as soon as i put a bull down or you do you're gonna want protein oh yeah otherwise yeah i'm waiting yeah it's uh this is, uh, you know, if I, if I would have like had to put out on a timeline or like an outline of how would you like your experiences with new gear to play out, this is perfect because last week in Alberta kind of sucked for conditions that were I guess it didn't suck because it was miserable because I wasn't miserable. It was just how it was. It wasn't, it wasn't on the positive side of being, having high odds for success in for elk. Um, because you know, I, we, me and Andy both had, I'm going to count his as success, even though he didn't connect his, the amount of, very very close encounters with mule deer that he had which should have been a closed deal they happened so conditions that favor one thing are a negative in another so they were favorable for a mule deer because foul conditions mm-hmm. uh, you know they distract their their ability to hear um so we were able to get right in uh and then here we are now it's september and we're up here in elk country and it's blazing hot. <laughs> like this is what I would have expected 10 days ago in Alberta. And I would have expected a little bit more of that Alberta weather here. And it's a, just a flip-flop, which is really cool because, you know, anytime you're trying to learn something, the only way you're learning is if you're not experiencing it as it's written in the directions, <laughs> I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, people ask me, well, how do you know so much about cooking? Well, I was never good at it. I did it the wrong way for a long time. Why are you better at archery now than before? Well, because I was never good at that either. I did it the wrong way for so long to where I finally figured out a way that I feel like I can have success at it. So then I teach that. And then now, you know, maybe it's just a sign. It's, you know, the way it's playing out. Uh, I packed for Alberta very light and then it was unseasonably cold and wet and I learned from that and then I packed differently when I came here and now literally what I originally packed for Alberta I could be wearing here because I'm a little bit hot right now Mm -hmm. um, if I'm honest so and I really wanted to talk to you on this podcast because I was hoping that the listeners one, we're going to talk about archery, everybody. I mean, you know Barklow, and yeah, he's he's a hardcore dude, works for Sitka, designs some cool stuff. Uh, but I was hoping that as I progressed through the season, I could continually educate people based on my experience with the equipment. And as, you know, I know people are like dying for me to talk about the whitetail stuff, but I'm not too whitetail season yet. So I want this to be real. (laughs) I want it to be real. And right now it's real. You know, I'm experiencing it. So 
Um, you know, if I'm layering the way that I'm layering right now, did I, did I feel a little warm this morning based on the fact that, I don't know, I guess we probably did five, six miles a day. I would say I did down up and around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was warm, but I wasn't wet. Like I wasn't sweaty. Um, so I really wanted to talk about like where for equipment wise, uh, where do people, you know, normally this week or even next week, we're actually going to be together again, um, in Utah. Um, kind of what's that next step? Because right now we're actually wearing the items that you talked about that I should wear for my very first hunt. And I was hoping we would make that next step to where we were having to get into a few more. Yeah. A little colder temps, a little bit more layering. And maybe by the end of the week, we will. Sounds like it. You know, one of the the things that I brought that I was really excited about was that, uh, I brought that puffy jacket in Mm -hmm. the subalpine, and I'm pretty sure it was with the hood with the hood. Yeah. Kelvin light hoodie. No, it was a Kelvin head. It was a down. Oh, the big one. I brought the. Oh, big... that's the new Kelvin down windstopper hoodie. Yeah, that thing's legit. And it's in a. It has a packable bag that came with it. Yeah. So yeah. I stuffed it in, and the reason I brought that, even though I felt like it possibly could be a little bit hot, was I figured where we're at now, just so everyone's um, kind of brought up to speed. So where we're at now, we're at about six thousand feet. And a lot of the elk are actually lower in altitude, much lower. They're down in like the pivots, which is all Mm -hmm. private ground that we can't hunt. And they come up towards, you know, towards where we are and towards, you know, national forest. Um, As soon as it gets light, they start making a move and then you literally have to adjust. So I figured a lot of our early mornings were really going to be, um, sitting glassing for probably an hour trying to really determine their path because sometimes they exit those pivots fast but sometimes they exit slow they're out there a while so you could literally be sitting there on a butte getting blasted with wind for an hour hour and a half with no movement and if you're doing that then you you can get chilled to the core pretty quick so that's why i brought that jacket i thought it'd be perfect but i didn't need it today um but that's how i packed and yeah, that Kelvin light. Yeah, Andy and Caleb just pulled in, but uh, that that uh, that light without the hood, I wore last week a lot, and yeah, I so packed that a, again. That's a Kelvin active jacket. I really like that jacket. <clears throat> it's, super lightweight, super breathable. It's really got a lot of warmth for the weight. Um, but it's perfect for archery season because it is quiet. Andy follows directions perfectly. Oh, my God. <laughs> we told Andy last night, everyone, just so you're listening, this is hilarious. He's getting ready to walk in the door. I want a picture of this just so I can post it. We're, we're podcasting, but I got to post a picture. Oh, hold on. Hold I on. love how the bear is waving at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we told sure. it last night while we were in camp. We, uh, that's hilarious. Um, last night when we were in camp, we were waiting for, uh, our food to cook and John and I did our groceries and we thought we did pretty good. We bought like three bags of chips and this group of guys absolutely (laughs) destroyed those bags of chips long before those back straps were done. Yeah. And... So today it's burning hot. Midday success is going to be very, very low for probability. And the way the wind's blowing, just so people are listening, know why we're not hunting midday. The way the wind's blowing, if we hunted midday, we would actually push the elk away from us. So even though we want to hunt, we need to back out and let those elk come back down so that the wind's in our favor to where we can get in position again. So we told uh, Andy and Caleb to go down and and get some bottled water and some ice. And we said, hey, obviously we need chips. And we did the math. Six days times uh, 
<laughs> with this group. Three bags of chips, yeah. six, six days, eight. So bags. Andy just walked in <laughs> with a massive box. I think he just he just completely depleted the gas station. You got to show the picture. Yeah, it's going to be great. So <laughs> that's uh, he followed directions perfectly. We do have enough uh, potato chips. And for those of you who are into fitness, like most of us are, uh, this is the one time a year where you can totally cheat and not feel guilty about it because you're burning so many calories a day right now. And Andy just, oh, you went for the kettle cooked barbecue right off the bat. Those are good. This podcast is going to be, oh, and the jalapeno. <laughs> nice. Podcast is going to be short just because John and I aren't going to want to miss out on that. Huh? Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know. I think this elk hunt is going to get better and better. It's Every day it's going to get What is it, September 9th? Yeah. yeah. Okay, September Even 9th. Even this evening will be better than this morning, mm-hmm. I think. September 9th. Um, as you progress for elk, there's a couple things, I guess, I want to talk about just so people have the understanding. One is... You know, if you push elk, it's completely different than if you say you're turkey hunting and you get get a little bit aggressive on turkeys and they're used to roosting in the same spots. They'll make it back. With elk, we literally got up at first light, got to a glassing point, and we watched elk cover two and a half to three miles within pretty good 15 distance, minutes. Yeah. 15 yeah. minutes. They were hauling out of that ag so they can haul every bit that fast or faster if you blow them out so if you're in elk and if you're out hunting if you're hunting public ground or you're hunting national forest if you're in elk stay in elk like you know if you push them so hard um they'll move you know there's a lot of room for them to move and they'll move and they respond to pressure and actually where we're at now we rely on the pressure of people hunting the easiest parts of the national forest because what's most accessible as people put pressure there and they start to push those elk and push those elk, they just keep, they just go further in and they go to refuge and they go to where they don't have the pressure. And and we're literally like, okay, we're going to sit back here in the safety zone and we're going to not push them Mm -hmm. and we're going to let everyone push them to us. Yeah. You know, in a way it's a drive, right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. A, it's multi-day. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a deer uh, elk drive that transpires over five days, <laughs> but, uh, it's a good tactic. Like for a beginner, for someone who's, who's hunting and they like freak out cause they get into a national forest and they're like, Oh my gosh, there's elk. We're in elk. We're in elk. And you know, maybe they're not talking to you right away. Um, maybe they bugle back a few times at first light. Maybe they bugle a little bit in the evening. You want to try to have your strike, but you also don't want to have your strike unless it's like, you know, if it's your last day and obviously, yeah, you know, throw all the cards on the table. Yeah. And you can be more aggressive with elk than mule deer, but you can be too aggressive, Mm -hmm. right? Which is kind of, there's one or the other when you start, you're either really passive and don't do anything which i've done or you just bowl in there and then you don't see anything the rest of the week which both ways have worked for me yeah that's it, what sucks well is, that's where the experience comes in though is knowing when to do it and when mm, not to yeah well let's talk about that when do you think you need to what's the signal well i, I think you can kind of take the temperature of the bowl that you're trying to to hunt or bulls or the herd in general if you got the wind right you kind of you can take the temperature and mm-hmm. go you know they're aggressive they're you can see their interaction with each other and, and you know you can get away with more just because they're preoccupied with chasing and pushing off satellite bulls and and uh but this morning wasn't like that mm-hmm. you know they, they would they responded to a few of your bugles but they're just not into it yet you can just tell they're getting there um but I it was called a good. I mean, I called a yeah to what eighty, a three twenty like bull into eighty for Andy. But you could tell that he he couldn't be. He was pushed reluctant. It. He couldn't be pushed any more than you pushed him. Yep. Right. And I knew, so, and I could sense that. I'm like, but I we don't can hunt him tonight. 
because you tonight didn't, he may kill you him, didn't push he, him. He might kill himself. Yep. Like tonight, he may talk enough himself to where we don't even need to talk. We which can is, literally yeah. just, which is the best way to kill a big bull, is to slip in total ninja style ambush, never giving away your position. Yeah. That's the best. But if mean. that bull came to 80 and looked at our general direction and was just losing his mind, like that's a bull you could probably work with. But you could just tell he wasn't, Mm-mm. he just wasn't there yet. And it could be this evening, it could be tomorrow morning. I mean, but every hunt's going to be better. You know what I think, too? Um, if bulls are responding to you when you're calling, I think the fact that me and that bull had interaction for hours this morning, like we were talking back and forth for an hour, and I wasn't pushing too hard because of the wind. Um, and sorry, people. I know I drink and eat on my podcast, but <laughs> I podcast during lull times. Right now is a lull time. We're literally, I'm cooking two chickens quick on the Traeger. We're going to eat and then hopefully not be back here till about one in the morning <laughs> when we're done packing out. So I'm multitasking. Um, but yeah, it took, I would say I worked on him for two hours and he was, you know, I was mocking him mm-hmm. and then he was somewhat mocking me and we met in the middle. Didn't quite close that gap, but, uh, the fact that the two of us were getting going, there were all of a sudden a, another bull or two that all of a sudden said like, Wah! you know, they're like, okay, we hear you guys going at it. So sometimes when you get that, you can almost trigger that hmm. that rut kind of to get going. Not if you're just walking around calling, nothing's talking to you. But if you get to the point where people or other animals obviously know okay, these are two bulls that are getting fired up. Like, they're, they're thinking in their mind, things got to be getting close. Like, these two guys sound like they're serious. You know, it's like mm-hmm. watching a bar fight. You're like, these guys are going to fight. Here they go. <laughs> these guys are going to fight. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, we all might have to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Well, yeah. So that's the plan. You know, get these suckers going. Be timid on them. Unless all the cards are in your favor and then go. I don't really go unless all the cards are in my favor. Well, the, this week's just going to be getting better. The weather's in our favor. The moon's in our favor. The rut, mm-hmm. the dates are in our favor. I, I think every hunt we're going to be able to get a little bit more aggressive. And then it's just going to come unglued. Like, I hope we're here to see it come unglued. Yeah. It, it should by the middle of the month. Yeah. Yep. Well, what, um, were there anything, you know what I, what I hate? Um, my mind is thinking about five different subjects right now. That's why I've started and stopped. So every year when I start hunting, I think, why have I not learned to have all this gear exactly how I want it? Like, you know, your bag's packed with what you need and what you don't need. Or even your backpack packed, how you utilize it. It's like instantly user-friendly. And then normally I have that figured out by the end of the year. And then when I just start, like by the end of the year, I'm normally just burnt out. And I'm just like, just put this stuff away. Right, right. And then you're, it takes, normally it takes a week or two for me to like get back into my routine. Like, okay. Like, I'm in a flow right now. I know I can get up. I can put this on. When I take it off, here's how I lay it all out. Here's how I put it all back on. Um, is there anything that you have done here in the last few weeks to where you're like, man, I wish I would have been a little bit more on point with? Yeah, well, first of all, like in your case, like you, you have a new system. Like you're with Sitka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't almost. I mean, I almost don't count. Right I don't now. even think a month, right? Um, for me, like I, you know, there's standards I always go to. Um, I almost don't have an off season though, because even though I'm not necessarily hunting, like I'm thinking about the gear. Like I've got stuff, you know, just to tease the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, we have 2019 stuff here. 
that'll come out in January, mm-hmm. you know, at least shown to the to the public in January. I've got 2020 stuff. Yeah. You and I were talking about 2021 product yeah. and, and what we could potentially do there. Um, no, I mean, we. that's what's so cool about the fact. That's what's so cool about this relationship between me and Sitka now is you and I were hunting buddies. Yeah. And you're in the design side of big game. So we come back from camp and I'm able to say, hey, you know what I don't like? I don't like how my bugle, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, and then you say, okay, yeah, there's actually a cool thing we can make for that. We'll be able to fix that problem. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, I get it. And then I get to see you experience whatever you know Mm -hmm. what we were talking about and it's like i I think we can solve that like that's pretty but what did i tell you like we literally like we we suffer over the details Mm -hmm. because i mean obviously a pan has two legs right okay that's pretty obvious but it's all the little details that we just we just pour over and obsess with to try to get them right and that the little thing you and i talked about it's like but that little thing could make that product like amazing. Yeah. And anybody who elk hunts and has that issue with the bugle tube, you're like, oh, these guys like actually hunt. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's you know that's the benefit of these trips. Quite frankly, is you know I like to call it immersion. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good term. I, I'm not going to go crawl around on my hands and knees behind Sika for a week, <laughs> yeah. figuring out a knee pad, right, or an elbow pad, or whatever I'm thinking about. Like I've got to be. And in some regards, say the word force, like when I'm out here and I'm actually doing it, like I'm hunting, but my mind is constantly like going back to like, okay, is that knee pad actually performing? Is it in the right spot? You know, or whatever the, you know, whatever product I'm working on, I come up, you know, and you know this, I walk around with that little notepad, Yeah. but I have to take notes and then I, but those notes are invaluable when you're going into the design process. Yeah. hundred percent. You know? People ask me about my setup a million times. I'm a million's an exaggeration, but I I'll guarantee you I could tell people exactly what I do for three days straight. I could tell everyone like, "Hey, here's my binocular system. Here's why I do this," and then I could make a post four days from now, and someone would be like, "Hey, what's up with that binocular system?" Like, you know, a lot of it's so repetitive, but those details are so critical and what sucks is there does come a point where you have to draw the line and say you know what okay like we have to get 2019 out like we can't yeah we can't keep writing notes right i mean we have to get a 2019 product and that's why with you you're like hey man everything you're saying i get it and yeah we need to make these changes but it's not going to be at the ATA show. Like it can't. Yeah. The ship has sailed at a certain yeah, point on, yeah. on a certain year. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we won't release something if we don't believe in it, but yeah, that's... The, the, but the crazy part is like, we came out with this, the, the Bino bivy that you had talked about a couple podcasts ago. And I mean, literally before it even hit ATA, like my developer, Eric and I had already modified that our own mm-hmm. and we're like going forward with it you know, testing it. And it's like, it hasn't even hit production yet. And we've already tweaked it. Yep. Cause we like, we're constantly doing that. And then I got to be careful because I get in different photo shoots or videos and I forget the stuff I'm wearing. Like I got stuff on this week that, you know, I probably don't want the general public to see too much of, but, but I got to use it. Like I like, and I got to get it on That's other what's people tough and, too, because yeah, honestly, some of the stuff I'm super thankful because one of the, one of the worst things for me is when I work for a company and I'm not able to be involved with design because I'm like, you know what? If this doesn't work, I'm going to use my 20-year-old site. Yeah, yeah. If this doesn't work, I'm going to be sewing a pocket on the side of this thing. It's too important for us to, to not have our stuff like exactly the way we want. Yeah, right? and for some people, it's not. Yeah. And, for, and honestly, for some designers that don't do it, like – I would say at this experience level or this, you know, not going somewhere where it's like all on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. 
they're never going to understand it. So they don't really, you know, you're almost like speaking on deaf ears because they're like, well, what does it really matter? Well, dude, it matters a lot. Like, you know, if you're not going on these places that, you know, they literally say, okay, you know, here's your menu, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you want to shoot? Like if you're not on those places, it's like all that matters. Well, I got a few products. So me and Jonathan Hart, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going up to British Columbia to hunt with uh, Dustin Rowe, one of our athletes, big game athletes, uh, backcountry BC and beyond. But we're going up there in October to hunt moose for, I think it's 10 or 12 days, something like that. Okay. We're flying in and then we're riding out 110 miles back to the trailhead and we're going to hunt moose and mountain caribou. And I got some products and I'm bringing them. And, you know, and I've, I've done this for so long, but the reality is like, if they don't work, I'm going to suffer. <laughs> like, that's just like, it's going to suck. Um, I love that. So, but I guarantee you, you know, win, lose or draw by the time I get back to the trailhead, I will have that product. If not figured out, then much, much more. You'll either understood. have no friends or you yeah. will figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the only way to do it. I, I just call it immersion. At a certain point, you can't. It can't be theory. It has to be reality. And you know what's awesome about that? Um, at least from what I've seen so far, like you don't go on those hunts. I've never heard you talk about. Um, yeah, we've done that, but we can't do it because it that zipper costs too much. Like I've never heard you say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Jonathan and I are, are very much aligned and, and I just have the, well, you know, we talked about on the lot last podcast we did, you know, my military background and, mm-hmm. and developing and training guys in the special operations forces. And so compromise wasn't an issue. So, I mean, that's just where my mind is. Yeah. And so, and and maybe it's not the best business decision all the time, but I literally sit down with the team and we try to make the best product. Yep. And after we make the best product, I get the cost. And then we're like, either <laughs> we're like, well, it is what it is. And this yeah. is what it costs to make this product in this world. Yeah. And sometimes we don't go forward with it because, you know, I've, I've said before, like the world's not ready for it. And, yeah. and sometimes they're, what you I mean by that is that. they're not ready to pay for the technology, right? Yeah. They're the, like the leap is so big that, that they can't get there, I don't think. You know, I mean, certain, you know, a certain percentage of people, but yeah. but not enough to make it matter. Um, but I just can't compromise when we build stuff. And when it's like, okay, this is, you know, the Apex pants, $219. It's like, that's what it costs to build it. We had to develop a textile. We had to do all these things. Like, it's not, it's not cheap. But when you wear it, hopefully you understand like, oh my gosh, like this is really going to enhance my experience. When you're crawling in on that bowl... And those, you know, pants don't make any noise. Like, yeah. what's that worth to you? Like, how? What? What's your hunting season worth to you? You get maybe one opportunity at a big whitetail, or maybe one opportunity or two opportunities at a big elk a year. Like, and what if you're are, not, are you what are you willing to compromise for that? What like, if you're not there because you're you really have to be back at camp because you're freezing to death. Because you're because you're wet or you're cold. And I was wet. And I talked about this in the last podcast, but I was wet willingly, mm-hmm. but I was warm while I was wet, which was a new experience. And as soon as there was a break, I was dry in 30 minutes from my yeah. body furnace, like yeah. literally evaporating. No, when, when you, when I heard you talking about that and I told you I was up in my barn and I mean, I just got a smile on my face cause I'm like, ah, oh, you know, he, he not only gets it, but like he's you know, he's spreading the word because it's so important. Yeah. Cause you know that if you guys came to me and said, here's what you have to say, I would say, well, I'll factor that in, but I'm going to say what I experience. Yeah. Like, I, I'd, that I'd is much rather I'm, you. Yeah. That is what I'm, I'm going to give s- your opinion on yeah, what's going on. I can appreciate you guys want me to talk about a certain technology, but in the end, anyone that I work with knows I'm going to talk about what I experience. Yeah. And Hopefully, you know, and I know you guys are a hundred percent like, Hey, if something isn't working, yeah, we want to know about it. I mean, you probably wouldn't 
want me to tell everybody before I tell you guys, but normally I would say, Hey dude, just so you know, you know, this is what I experienced and yeah, I'm going to talk about it. How many flies are in this place? A lot. This is crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah, to do my job, like you Canada. have to have a pretty thick hide. Um, so there's a couple things. You, you, you have to have a thick hide because people are going to tell you stuff that, you know, you might not want to hear. Um, the second is you can't fall in love with your own product. Yeah. Because, you That's know, hard to do you, you may have to kill that project. Or, you know, change it. And if you're in love with it, it's harder to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people say, well, what does it take to be a, a field tester for Sitka? And the first thing is, for me anyways, I have to value your opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is, you have to provide honest and constructive feedback. Yeah. So you can't just say it's good or it sucks. Yeah. But it's good or it sucks and here's why. Yeah. Like here's, you know. The why is what makes it better. It, it's huge. You yeah. know, and, and you can't be arrogant enough to sit there and go, well, I know everything. I mean, I think I know a lot and left enough to dial it and get it moving in the right direction. But, you know, that's how you make great product. Yeah. Um, it, it takes a team. It really does, you know. And you and I, I mean, we were out there talking just 30 minutes ago about some stuff. And, and like, I, I all of a sudden, like, my mind's going. I'm getting excited and. You know, yeah. it could be 2021 before the world ever sees God, it, but man, like I'm so fired not. up about it, yeah, you know? Yeah, I hope not. Um, yeah, well, actually, when you and I were in BC, I came to you about a few, I'm like, here's a few things I've been asking for for a long time that I would put to use immediately as a hunter. And you looked at me, you're like, that's a freaking great idea. And you said, I won't do it unless you're, you know, if you're ever part of Sitka, we're going to do it. Yeah. If you're like, I'm not going to take your idea. I'm not going to take your idea. I'm right. not going to steal it. But dang it, we've got some cool <laughs> stuff. I think we got some really cool stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, 2021 could be a spectacular. I think a lot of stuff will come together by then. Well, and it sounds so far off, but. It's really not. You know, when you when you were in my world. So 2021, literally, it's like next season, mm -hmm. we're hunting in that product. Yeah. Because it's, it's prototypes. We need we're, one we're, year we're, to fine-tune it. We're working through it. So, it'll, you know, give us one year to get the prototypes. At two years, it's it's to the general public. Right. But it takes, you know, it takes that long. Like, you know, 2020, we're, I don't, I, I don't know, six, seven months into 20. I've got second protos on me right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, 2019's done. It'll show in January. Yep. So it sounds it sounds like a long wait, I guess, maybe to the to our consumers it kind of is. But, like, but like by next year, you and I have already gone through iterations, and we're hunting in it. Like, yeah. we're going to hopefully kill stuff in it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, you know, we've talked about, like, uh, your release pouch and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, uh, we'll get that dialed over the winter, but... Yeah. Um, but there's some cool there's some cool ideas there's some cool stuff and the thing with Sitka is they give us the leeway. I mean we you know there's certain wickets we have to kind of get through but they're like go make the world's best product like go solve problems that that hunters don't even know they have yet. Yeah. And one of the things you know and it was Jonathan's quote uh but he says you know if you ask most people what they want they'll say they want a faster horse. Yeah. Because they can't even conceive of an airplane or a spaceship. And so we like to sometimes come in and like show people the airplane and spaceship and they're like, whoa, dude, we had no idea. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, well, we did, you know, like yeah. we're dropping the bomb. Like we want to change the industry. Mm -hmm. um, so we like to do that. It's, it's a, the thing that makes it hard for me in this, I don't know if I ever even told you this. I had this conversation with Sharon when I was really debating the move to Sitka, I said one thing that I'm worried about is I do know that just, you know, when you buy good things, you pay more for them. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. You know, I, there was a time when I had, you know, my first Seiko watch and I was like, oh, wow, this thing's like <laughs> awesome. But then, then I progress and watches, you know, and, and I start to appreciate the difference in, you know, why you're paying more. Mm -hmm. And 
Honestly, the same is true with like ballpoint pens. I mean, how know. many Rolexes are you going to buy in your life? Like, you don't have to buy a second one. No. Right? No. Yeah, I mean, I think if you get to it, you're like, you know, and that's that's my thing now is, you know, um, sometimes when you get to the point where you buy something really good, you're almost afraid to use it. Where, you know, because you don't want to wreck it. Yeah. At least that's, you know, that's kind of the way I was brought up. You know, my dad always told me, take care of everything. Um, but with with the gear... You know, you get what you paid for. And that's why in that last podcast, one of my favorite questions was the guy that said, if I can only afford to buy one piece of Sitka, Mm -hmm. what would it be? I thought, Mm -hmm. God, that's the best question. Like, that's the best one. It is. And my my default answer is you need to buy a pair of pants. Oh, really? I would say. I said that Fanatic hoodie because I freaking love that thing. It is. It's an amazing piece, right? So let's hear this. And why do you say pants? Because I think pants, I mean, obviously core base layer is foundational to the system. Yeah. But I think we make some amazing pants. You do make great pants. And you you can buy that pair of pants. It's going to be a good investment. It's going to last you probably more years than you, than you even care to wear that pant. Um, but, you, you know, when you go hunting, you're going to have pants on all the time. Yeah. Right? Of some sort. Optional. Um, I yeah, <laughs> well, I'm not uh, hunting in pants tonight. Just so you know, since I'm calling I hope we get for that you, on video. Since I'm calling for you, I am not wearing pants. But but they're they're a good they're a good building block for a Sitka system if you buy a pair of pants. So you know, for big game, you could pick any of the pants, and you would just you, you just it would give you a great experience in the Sitka. It'd give you a real appreciation for what we do. You're gonna have them for a lot of years and then you can you know build the system from that well i will say your pants are definitely different than anything i had from my previous experience with clothing because honestly like the shape of the leg the Mm -hmm. lape is the leg is actually shaped according to how your leg bends Mm -hmm. it's not a straight taper and for those of you, like you, for those of you listening, if you went into a store and I never paid attention to this before, but if you just hold up a pair of Sitka pants, like actual hunting pants, you're going to see that like the thigh is bigger. It tapers down to the knee and then it, and then the whole knee moves back like right. the same way your leg would move. And then on top of that, your ability to put knee pads in was awesome. The only thing I say that you guys didn't, like spend enough time thinking about was the fact that both these zipper tabs are the same length. <laughs> like I have I almost, heard you say that. no, I almost pissed myself twice today again <laughs> because I'm like, <sighs> for, I'm like, I'm going, okay, I know I need to pee. And then, you know, a bull was bugling. And then I'm like, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. And then it's like, okay, I got to go. And then it's like, you know, if you, if your flies down, then you got two pull tabs and you're trying to pull the one against the other. It's like, okay, <laughs> no, I dude. thought that was hilarious. Uh, listening to your last podcast when you did, I think it's called gear crazy, but, um, you know, and the reason there's two zippers and you'll see that for sure on the big game pants, there's practicality to it, but there is. So, you know, if I have a, if I have a pack on uh-huh. and I got to relieve myself, yeah, like a lot of times that top zipper is under the belt is under the belt so i just zip from the bottom up right and i get you with the two uh i understand yeah but it goes beyond that too so with the sick of pants where you button isn't in the center of your pant right it's offset so it's offset so you have a tab that actually covers your main zipper all the way over um and it allows you to have some give, like as you're moving, it's not putting direct pressure where it's just spreading your button apart. So because of that, your tab for your main zipper is actually kind of concealed up right. under yeah. that flap. So the bottom one is the most convenient, but the problem is the knot in the color of the thing. Like that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. I feel like on your backpacks, mm-hmm. I think every zipper compartment should have a different color pull could do that yeah because me in alberta a lot of times when i'm hunting with a buddy i'll say hey can you grab my drink Mm -hmm. and it'd be nice to just say 
you know, it's in orange compartment, it's yep. in green, it's in black. Um, because you know, if you, if they're all consistent and you know, main compartment is mm-hmm. orange, mm-hmm. you know, secondary is black, mini compartments gray. Yeah. yeah. You could say gray, you know, gray zipper. And I think the same is true. Like even if on your pull tab, like if you know, like I think, would you want that yellow? Would you want me to make that yes. yellow? Yes. <laughs> yes. Your P tab needs to be either yellow or obviously I'm partial to green, but you've like you're really hung up on this. So I'm gonna have to like have a more detailed conversation with you off offline about that. No, we're doing it now. <laughs> like But this. but this is but I'm telling you, this these are the details we agonize over. Like literally. And you know, you're not gonna please everybody. Yep. But yep. You know, you want to try to get it right for most people most of the time. But, yeah. Um, and, but, you know, we're not above to say, well, yeah, maybe we got that one a little off and we'll work on that. But but there is thought behind it. it you know, nothing is done just on a whim. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, but that's why there's two zippers on big game pants because the expectation is you're wearing a pack and you don't want to take the pack off to have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. What um on, I'm trying to think for your tops. I forgot the name of that top again. That flash twenty. No, no, that's your pack. <laughs> I was. I told you the other day. I was screaming in my barn. I'm like, you were talking. You're like, man, I can't. I love this pack. I love this pack. I can't remember the name. I'm like, flash twenty, <laughs> flash twenty. And then eventually you got it. And I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> If anybody would have seen me, like they'd have been like, "That guy's losing his mind." I'm the worst about that. I <laughs> it don't, takes a while to I, learn the phone book that is the sick catalog. It I'm does. never going to learn it. I'm going to tell you right now. Like I've given up on that. It'll, that it'll, catalog it'll, is it'll, monstrous. It'll be, it'll be a while. I'm yeah. No, I'm. Gonna, it's never going to happen, people. <laughs> I'm just going to read off tags. Um, but I'm that way with a lot of equipment. I mean, people's names, I suck at. Yeah, I'm That's, not good at names. I, I'm terrible at names, and I don't mean it. Um, that's why a lot of times I give people nicknames, because if I give you a name, I'll remember it. But if you tell me your name, good luck. Yeah. You're going to be, hey, guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, good to see you, dude. Yeah, I can, remember, I can remember exact yardages I shot on archery targets <laughs> from 20 years ago, and, like, what? route i was standing next to and what rock the target was next to for like 20 years i can tell you that but if someone walks up and they're like hey i'm i'm robert i'll be like hey guy (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why names will not stick but if you really want to like put somebody in their place purposely call them by the wrong name that puts them in their place like the dude's name's mike and you're like hey bob Oh, it's just completely like... Yeah, but I do that when I'm trying... To, I'm positive I remember their Oh, name. no, I just won't even go for it. Like, I just... <laughs> no, if I just say, hey, man, oh, good to see you. Like, I remember faces. Yeah. But, like, purpose, I'd be like, I know that guy's name's Mike, and I just call him Bob, and they won't say anything. I remember voices, because for so long uh, when I worked at Matthews... I don't know if I remember voices. Ten years, like, this was my communication. Like, I if we both had blindfolds... Uh-huh. For 10 years, if I always, you know, called John Barklow at Sick Archery, I would just learn your voice. Hmm. So I've been places where I've actually heard a voice from a shop that I talked to seven, eight, nine years wow. ago. And I'll be like, Rick Klutz? And he'll, <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, dude, I'm John Dudley. Because, I mean, we just did blind calls. Just we never n- met each other. Yeah, we never, we never traveled to shops. Wow. So everything was voice recognition. So I literally never had faces for, you know, for names. It was all like I had voices. So then putting a face to a voice was pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. was pretty cool. What, um, is there anything archery wise that I've kind of touched on or talked about in the last month or so? Cause you're pretty avid to the podcast. Yeah. Um, I've been a fan any, since the beginning. Any changes that or things that I talked about that you've put into put into action this year that you think are worthy of talking to people about? Well, um, yeah. And you and I talked about this, but you know, I don't I don't shoot a lot of draw weight 
mm-hmm. for what I could shoot. You know, yeah. so my, you know, I shoot. Not Which I every, think is cool. Not every day, but I shoot a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't want to wear my shoulders out prematurely. So I got a heavy bow and a light bow. Um, but I knew on the light bow I was a tweener. So I'm a tweener between a 400 spine and a 340. And, uh, but I've been making the, the 400 work because I love the FMJ. You know, like everything about that setup was perfect. But this last year, especially with the silverback, which I'm, I'm a full disciple of, um, I just wasn't getting the accuracy that I felt I was shooting better than the results I was getting on mm. the target. And uh, so finally, when you came out with the new spine chart mm-hmm. for your arrows with the brass, which mm-hmm. is amazing that, quite frankly, Easton didn't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I uh, you verified it. I'm like, man, I am like, right on the line if not a little over so long story short i went from a 400 fmj to a 340 axis on my light bow yep they're very similar in weight Mm -hmm. pin gap actually shrunk just a tad but my group shrank by half literally just by shooting that different arrow yep i mean it was not a little dramatic it was it was big dramatic like like all of a sudden, I started getting the results of that this, I thought I should get the whole time. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you just kind of shook your head, like, "Yeah, dumbass," I, you know, I kind of, kind of knew that, but, but it was so dramatic, John, that it wasn't. It was just like, why? I, I'm a little stubborn, but it's like, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm-hmm. Um, so that 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 was huge. That was absolutely huge. Um, in the so in like the target world. Yeah. Or like the pro world, we talk about that. Like we refer that the terminology would be, you know, we have something that's hitting behind the pin. Okay. So, because when you get to a certain level, and and I think because you've fully committed to the silverback, you're at a level now where you, you know where your shot should yeah, go. Yeah, I can call my shot when it breaks. Right. So yeah. when you know where it should go, then you're at a point where you want a bow that hits behind the pin because you want to, you want to know how am I shooting? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. When yeah. you're not, when you have a bow that isn't hitting behind the pin, which, um, actually in my seminars and some of my longer seminars, I have a presentation that's very specific to arrows. And I talk about, um, just mathematically how many Olympic rounds have been won like gold medals have been won based on a two point margin. And it's very high, very high. Like two points is decided most Mm. of the medals by a, by a landslide. And so an arrow whose tolerance is off two thousandths at 70 meters can already Mm. make a bigger than that number. Right. So literally if a person that is an Olympic level archer is shooting an arrow that has a tolerance that's plus or minus more than where the pro, you know, the knock on pro series, mm-hmm. series arrows are at, you can't even it doesn't matter how good you shoot. If if the tolerance isn't there, it doesn't hit behind the pin. So it's, yeah, you could be making a perfect shot and it's not going to hit the dead center. Is it going to be close? Yes. Can you tune it in like, you know, by knock indexing and really making sure your broadhead alignment's perfect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all that helps. Or even putting more control on the back of the arrow so where the spine, you know, so how that arrow is actually like mm-hmm. the spine and how it reacts, you take less ability away from the arrow straightness and you put more into, I'm just going to oversteer this thing into making it work. Um, so yeah, there's things that you can do, but when it just comes to like shooting and this year I made a change on Rogan's bow, you know, I, I made a change on his and he is shooting ridiculous right now. Like, you know, he's sending me pictures of his practice rounds Mm -hmm. and, he's shooting and he's shooting, you know, he's committed. He just told me, he's like, Hey man, for whatever reason, I just, as much as I like the feel of 
other releases in my hand because he's got you know big gorilla yeah, he's mitts. got paws yeah and so he's like you know yeah when i hold the release it doesn't feel the most comfortable compared to another mm-hmm. but when it comes to my grouping like when he's pulling through consistently with silverback he's like even if i don't feel like i'm holding better i shoot better yeah and i mean and that's with everybody that's with me when i get to the point where i feel like i'm just shooting the knock to it like a like a machine but my groups aren't really reflecting that i'm like you know what there's some kind of a there's an underlining mm-hmm. issue that i'm not even i'm not detecting I'm just going to go back to just dynamically busting through this sucker. I'm just going to pull through, you pull through, You can't creep on the through. shot at all. Yep, and and I get, over time, I'll get lazy with the knock to it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I told you I shot the Ember 2 for years. Yeah. Like, I, I'll i get lazy on the shot and not know it, mm-hmm. but the results will show it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, we've only known each other since January. Um. But about a little more than a year ago, I felt like I'd hit a plateau. And I was like, oh, I'm just not getting any better. Now, mind you, I'm not great, but the better you get, the incremental change is smaller, right? Yeah. I mean, just one yeah. little thing here or there can have a big effect. And, uh, you know, so I've been listening, and I'm I'm fully open to trying new things. So I, I went over to the stealth veins. Mm-hmm. I won't say what I was shooting before. Um and that helped immensely, like immediately. And I did, you know, three flea fletch, four fletch, and I'll try four fletch again, you know, probably this winter. Um, but that helped. Then the spine helped. The silverback helped. And all of a sudden, I real like a year later, I'm coming out of this going, I, I've I've broken through that whatever that ceiling was, yeah. and I've made that next, although minor. But I've made that next incremental increase in my performance. You yeah, know? And you have a new and baseline. And it's a bunch of little things. You have to commit to it, but it's just a bunch of little tiny things at, at, at a certain level that's yeah. going to get you to whatever that next level is. And you know that that stiffer arrow. I mean, I can even have a shot that I don't think you know. I'm, I'm like oh, I broke low or whatever, and they're f- somehow finding themselves yeah. to the bullseye. It's it's magical almost. Yeah. And well, and especially when you're pulling through the shot, that happens. I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. Like what the front pin's doing isn't like you want a bow that hits behind the pin, but you like when you really have a true forgiving setup, it finds the middle even when you're not there. Yeah. Huh. And and uh, it gets it's hard as a as a pro. It was hard because I remember for the longest time I just wanted a three hundred. And then once you get to that, you realize, okay, I can shoot 300s now. I now I want to now it's X's, mm. and then you start to do that, and then you get to the point where you're like, say you consider, you know, I I consider my, when I was dedicated, I consider, I don't think I was ever the best, but I feel like I could be in the top 10 every weekend I went to something prepared. Mm -hmm. Like I may not win, but I was capable of striking. Mm -hmm. I was capable of having a weekend. And it's hard because once you're within that 10-person window, now you're talking like 300s with maybe missing one or two Xs. Wow. And you're chasing one X. Like I'm training for months to say, how do I get one more X? Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost it's almost f- beyond frustrating because it's like that gap. You know, it's fun to be new at something because your progression. Oh, so it's so fast. quick. Yeah, you're just like, man, I'm so much better today. You know, I I posted that video of me learning to skydive with Andy, and I watched jump one to jump <laughs> seven. And it, like I'm proud of like my jump seven. I was like, yeah, yeah my I watched feet that weren't, again the other my day. freaking yeah. heels weren't touching my ass. I'm not like Superman and str- like yep, I was ba- I was yep. backsliding the whole first like three <laughs> or four jumps, right? So not doing that is is awesome. You know, I love I love you know progression. It feed it feeds you know commitment. Like oh, I'm I'm more fired up. I, I'm more fired up now to get better than I've ever been. You know, and the first time I met you, the first thing first thing I said is thank you. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, you have no, I mean, you probably have some idea, but I don't think you have any full idea of what you do for people. Because, you know, the information didn't exist. Um, but if you commit to it, like, it, it's amazing. You know, and I'm not a target archer. Yeah. But I've always, you know, back, way back when, when, you know, Randy was writing articles and yeah. stuff. And I was like, that dude's an accomplished target shooter who bow hunts. Yeah. And so I like to say and it's semantics maybe, but instead of calling myself a bow hunter, I like to call myself an archery hunter Yeah. because in yeah. my mind, it's what I mean by that is I'm taking the target mentality and tuning and techniques to the woods yep. to hunt animals. And, you know, I'm looking for forgiveness. I'm looking for, I'm looking for any advantage I can get when I shoot, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not the best hunter. So anything I can do to put, the odds in my favor, even if it's 1%, I'll yeah. take it. Oh yeah. And, uh, Big time. you know, when I feel like in this last year, I've definitely like taken that it's, it's been, it feels great. Cause I finally feel like I've taken that next step. And you're, I was like, I, I, at a certain point I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I need to go down to Easton and take professional lessons for a week? Like, which yeah. I probably still should do, but, but like, what do I need to do to make that next incremental step? Mm. Um, but yeah, the stuff you've put out and, you know, listening and, and then you got to commit to it because yeah. honestly my shooting got worse Yeah. when I, when I went to the silverback yeah. and I do it in the winter. So it really doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. And I do it at, you know, in my garage at three feet or 20 yards or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And it's like, well, it really doesn't matter if I'm not stacking arrows cause it's, I just have to work through the process. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so anyways, that's a long things. answer, but. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been pretty awesome. There's always growing pains. And I think anytime you're trying to overcome a plateau, if you implement anything new, there'll be regression before progression. Yeah. A lot of times there's progression, which I, I almost always like relate the first progression to a placebo. You know, some people just say, okay, yeah, oh, wow, yeah, this, man, this release, I could be off. And then mm -hmm. two weeks later, you're watching, you're like, wait a minute, that's not how I showed you how to do that. Like, there, there has to be regression, and then progression will follow that. Um, so make sure if you're trying something new, if you are a person listening, trying something new, you have to, you have to be willing to regress. Otherwise, if you get frustrated, you know, sometimes sometimes people send releases back to us. We typically, I mean, we, we don't really, we're not going to take anything back that's been used and mm -hmm. then sell it every now and then. It's just like, you know, they're like, this isn't working. It just isn't for me. And then I look at it and I can tell by a lot of them, it's like they shot this thing 10 times and just gave up on it. Yeah. And I don't know if you're, especially if you're struggling with target panic and you know, like you're at a plateau and if anything they're like, you're afraid of having like a way worse moment than a better moment, then you're a prime candidate to just say, okay, you have to commit to this, like yeah. mark it on the calendar. <laughs> you're going to do it 20 arrows a day for 200 days and then make your decision. I heard something uh, a while ago. I think it was from Jocko. I think it was with Jocko podcast. Um, and, and maybe it was Andy too, but someone had talked, someone was like sending in a question about how to make it through buds or something, which seems like that's probably the most common question mm -hmm. seals get asked. And um, someone made the comment of, you know, what I, what I would tell myself every day was, you can quit tomorrow, but just don't quit today. And I thought, you know what? That is the perfect thing to say when committing to overcoming target panic. Like, okay, I get it. This is uncomfortable. You don't like it. Just, you can quit tomorrow. Just don't quit today. Yeah. And a lot of people realize when you wake up that next morning, like, you just keep saying the same thing. Yeah. And yep. that day never yep. comes. I, I really like that. I really, really like that. It's like, okay, that's that's the perfect way to do it. Yeah. You, okay. You don't, yeah, you want to quit? No, I get it. Just, hey, do me a favor. Just quit tomorrow. Yeah. You know, just yeah. do this today, tomorrow. If you still feel the same, you can quit. 
and then just keep pushing it yeah. because eventually you'll get to the point where you're over overcoming a plateau and overcoming a boundary. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, just like here, you know, this is, we've never, I've never hunted. I've never hunted here exactly where we're at. I've been close, but not here. And this morning, that first hill me and Caleb did like, that's a, it's a bitch. Yeah. That one's a bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, every, you know, my calves are just on fire. Balls of my feet were hurting. And, uh, you know, a couple times I'll look back, I'm like, Caleb, don't throw up. And, uh, as soon as we got to the peak, I'm like, just, just get to the peak. Then you can, look, then you can see what's over the top, you know? It's good to have a short term memory. Yeah. And then I got there and I, I called and, something answered and it was on the next peak and i thought just gotta go just make it to the next gotta go just you know i'm not saying i need to go four over like if he's four over that's like i want to just let me just see what's over that one yeah yeah and then yeah you gotta i like to say you gotta eat the elephant in one in small bites right (laughs) because it's so you know whatever it is if guys going to buds or getting over tar panic whatever it is like it's overwhelming to mm-hmm. think about the issue yeah. and how am I going to get over it and blah, blah, blah. But like I had, you know, I had target panic years ago and, you know, I didn't have access to your podcast or anything. Yeah. And, you know, I, I bought books, I read books, I bought videos and, and then I was just like, I, I love this too much to let this beat me. Yeah. And I committed one winner. I was living in Alaska, so it's pretty easy. One winner, blind bail three yards, four months. <laughs> and I got to tell you like years later. So now, I mean the, the joy that archery and bow hunting bring me. And that's what I tell guys. I'm like, you love, you love archery too much to let this beat you. Like yeah. just commit to it. Like, and like you said, like every day, just go do 20 arrows and then go mm-hmm. 20 and don't, who cares where the arrow goes? Like yeah. just do it. Um, Anyways, I think that's just a good overall lesson in life. You know, it's like, oh, how am I going to get to the next, you know, job position or whatever, or get through school or whatever it is. And it's like one day at a time. Yeah. Maybe one hour at a time, one class at a time, one shot at a time. And sometimes, you know, I've been, I've been really close friends with Andy for over a year now. And, you know, we talk two or three times a day he shoots a lot and even today I'm yeah. showing him yep. things yep. and you know, but he's open to it, man. Oh yeah. He's open to it. But you know, there comes a time where I don't just, I can't just give, like if I give all the information, it's overload. Yeah. You know, you have to be ready for certain things. Yep. And, um, that's you know that's genuinely what I like about working with some people is it actually continually reminds me of hey this is something that maybe you should talk about with people um, with Andy you know we're talking about just front hand position even though mm-hmm. he's relaxed in the grip just you do have the ability to either push on the front of the riser more with the tip of your thumb or you can slightly turn your index finger in towards your thumb so essentially you're pushing your index finger mm. on the front left side of the riser if you're a right hand yep. shooter and it'll change where your pin has to sit because you're essentially twisting the very front edge of the bow and it magnifies torque um so even though his hand was relaxed where it was hitting the grip the front fingers mm-hmm. were dictating some small torsional twist so I showed him that and he's just like, man, okay. Yeah, I get it. Like I totally didn't even think of that. And sometimes you have to do, you have to commit to, like you said, those three months of, I'm just going to focus on getting this right. Yeah. yeah. And then, then what's next, you know? And if you're doing one day at a time, you'll know what's next. But you got to commit to one thing because if you yeah you can't commit to the whole like learning. If someone the whole gave you process, twenty things, no, you can't. You'd be like, you know it. what? I just this there's too much going on. Yeah. So you know, you and I talked. I think when we were uh, in BC in May, and you you know you watched me shoot, 
and um, I took a half inch off my draw length, mm-hmm. and I worked on my bow hand, yep. my bow grip. And, uh, you know, I just, and I, I think I'm doing better now, but I just worked on that, and I wasn't shooting side plates at all on my Hoyts. Mm-hmm. Hadn't for years. Um, and you said, you gave me a couple reasons why I should maybe shoot some side plates, and I did. And they, you know, it, did, it felt weird and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, you know, and I had to scrounge around and I actually made some side plates. Mm-hmm. But four months later, like I'm in such a much better spot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And people need to do that. You got to embrace the regression, progressional follow. Don't bite off too much. Eat the elephant in small chunks. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else did we learn from this podcast? 2021 is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love teasing people. Uh, we got to roll, dude. Yeah, That we chicken's do. done, and uh, we're already going to be late getting up there. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, this was an awesome podcast, and hopefully I can get it out there. But uh, we will talk it all of you later. And definitely be several podcasts here from Elk Camp throughout the week. So knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com